to episode one of the Gwendolyn Reading Method, the podcast, where we talk about all the books I read each year, currently heading towards eh, around 200 for the year, which is actually about 40 below the Goodreads reading goal I set at the beginning of the year, but is actually more where I wanted to be at this point because I really am trying to cut back on my reading, but I just failed so miserably last year. I, I just set the Goodreads goal to be where I realistically thought I would be at this point. But then, lo and behold, I got busy this year and I am probably gonna actually hit my stretch goal, uh, which was that cutting back to around 200 books. But if you are not like me, trying to rein in an uncontrolled reading habit, I will give you in this podcast some tips on how to read more, which you can take or leave, mix and match, and start finding your own reading method. If you're coming over from my booktube channel or my bookstagram, hi, I love you. I know I've been gone a very long time, but I needed a refresh and some new inspiration, and I'm really excited about this new format. It's a little more freeform, a little more casual, and we'll talk about a wider variety of topics. Anyway, if we're old friends from my many years on booktube and bookstagram, I'm looking forward to reconnecting and getting my fix of talking about books with you guys. I've missed it a lot. And if you're new, uh, welcome. I look forward to getting to know you as well. Where I'm still trying to figure out this new medium of podcast is how do you guys talk back to me? Do you just find me on Twitter? In which case, when I came up with my YouTube channel name eons ago, I picked a really long, unwieldy name, which does not work well for Twitter. So my handle is something weird like TGwenRM, and then my display name is Gwen's Reading Method. So it's pretty awful. But if you do search for the Gwendolyn Reading Method in the old Twitter search bar, it should still pull me up. I also believe there's a way to put links in the description, and if I can figure that out, I'll just put a link directly there to Twitter so we can discourse more easily. Also, is there a word for a book podcaster yet? Like Bookstagram or Booktube for YouTube and Instagram? If not, I would like to nominate Bookcaster. Has a very magical feel to it, a little Harry Potter in it. I vote for bookcaster unless there's an already established word that a newbie like me just doesn't know. Let me know. Okay, so let's start off with the bookish question of the day, which is, when do you find time to read? For me, people think I must be reading nonstop to get through so many books. But A, I just read fast, naturally, and B, it's amazing what you can do if you just set aside some daily time for reading. I probably only spend on average on weekdays 45 minutes reading, mostly during my lunch break. I can't actually read before bed, else I won't fall asleep and stay up way too late. So most of my reading is actually done during the daylight hours. I'll usually read about 10 minutes of four to five books uh, during my lunch break, or, or sometimes I'll get entranced in one book and read it the entire time. But that's honestly not my usual MO. I like to savor small bites of books so I can let that 10 minute sliver of story marinate in my head till the next time I pick up that book. If you're wondering how I keep all the stories straight, I make sure they're all mostly in different genres so it's harder to get them confused. Anyway, it works for me, it's not usually a problem. This whole thing might seem crazy to you, but the point is, 
find the time that fits into your schedule and just make it into a habit. I, I guarantee we all spend way more than 45 minutes a day scrolling Instagram or Reddit or YouTube or whatever your online poison of choice is. You just have to convert a little bit of that into reading time and, and it works like a charm. I'd love to hear when you find time in your schedule to read and any tips or tricks that you figured out that help you uh, make and keep it a habit. All right, on to the part of the show where we talk about the books I finished in the recent past and my final reviews of them. Fair warning, these are not going to be like full book reports that you might do in school. I, I don't want to spoil anything for you, or if I do, I'll warn you <laughs> plenty of time. Uh, so we'll just briefly describe the books and what stuck out to me and my inner feelings about them, just to give you enough information to say yay or nay on something, but not so much you might as well not read the book. But if you do want to really dive into the weeds with me on one of these books, hit me up on Twitter and I will happily dissect any of these books with you. Okay, so let's go. So the most recent book I finished was The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. I think I'm saying that right. I will put it in the description so you don't have to guess how to spell it. Helen is a first time author and man, it reminds me of when I read The Hating Game and was like, damn, this is Sally Thorne's first book. Both these authors are starting out at a level 10. Either they're never going to be able to duplicate this magic ever, ever again, or they're going to end up being damn near perfect authors at this rate. I hope to God it's the second. By the way, I just read the description for Sally Thorne's new book coming out in 2019 called 99% and it looks delicious and I cannot wait. But we're here to talk about The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang and not Sally Thorne. You probably actually want to know what The Kiss Quotient is about. Our heroine Stella has Asperger's and is a successful econometrician, but she's getting pressure from her mother to settle down. Problem is, she doesn't have a lot of dating experience, so she decides she needs professional help. So she hires an escort, Michael Fawn, who is from a different economic class than she is, but he's really, really sweet. Okay, so this has two, I would say, fairly recently minted major tropes that I absolutely love. One is the socially awkward heroine. While I do not have Asperger's, I can be pretty dang socially awkward, so I relate to this so hard. And then the second newish trope I love is the reverse pretty woman. This is only the second book I've read where the male lead is an escort and I find the reversal refreshing and interesting. And guys, I've read so many romance novels that novelty is really hard for me to find anymore. And this really does it for me. Highly recommend Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Okay guys, it took me seven months to finish Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion. Seven months! I can read fairly large classics in less time than that. I just, I don't know, this was such a trendy book back in the day. It was made into a movie, so I thought I had to read it. And yes, the premise is pretty dope. It's a love story between a zombie and a human. That should be awesome. But the actual story and how it was written and the promised profundity really at the end of the day wasn't that profound. It just wasn't my thing. 
I may have missed something because after all, honestly, I was not reading that carefully. So please hit me up on Twitter and tell me what amazing things I missed and should have been paying attention to. But as of this very moment, I would not recommend this book. The final book I finished this week was Grave Peril by Jim Butcher. I usually read urban fantasy by women almost exclusively, but this is one of my exception series. Jim Butcher is an excellent writer and Harry Dresden is a pretty relatable character, and who doesn't love Bob, Harry's sidekick, and who is also a spirit who lives in a skull. There was a Dresden Files TV series like 10 years ago, I think, that I never watched, but I do believe Fox just optioned the books for a new TV series, so we'll see how that goes. The best way to think about this series is like Harry is a film noir detective, but in this universe he's a wizard, so kinda a wizard film noir detective. Grave Peril is book three in the series in which Harry and Michael, Michael is a knight of the cross, so think King Arthur type of knight but modern. Anyway, they're fighting ghosts that are way too strong to be just ghosts, while also fighting off vampires and fairies and Harry's god mother. It's a lot in one book. I have to say that the male gaze in this book is, I don't know, I, I just noticed it more in this one than in the other books in this series. All the female characters' boobs had to be described, except maybe Murphy. I think they left Murphy alone, but that's, that's because of that character. But anyways, everyone else, everyone else's boobs, especially the bad lady's boobs and the possessed woman's boobs, and there's always some kind of fight where their boobs magically end up aggressively pushed into Harry. It's it's male titillation at its most eye-rolly. If you can ignore that, well, this still wasn't my favorite of the series. The plot felt just kind of strung together and it didn't really wrap me up. I will probably take a break from this series for a while, but I do think people have told me that the series really picks up around book four. So tweet at me if that's true and maybe I'll move it back up on the TBR. Uh, again, that was Grave Peril by Jim Butcher. So those are the books I finished. Let's really quickly here go through the status of the books I am currently reading, uh, what my gut reaction is to them so far, and you can tell me if they get better or worse from here, uh, or if I should abandon hope or if I'm destined to find exquisite happiness as I finish each book. I will try to make this quick, but if you look at my currently reading shelf on Goodreads, it lists 24 dang titles. Yeah, 24. I have a problem. Let's start with Harry Potter y la Piedra Filosofal. I probably butchered that, but yes, I'm reading Harry Potter in Spanish as a way to practice my Spanish. If you read it on the Kindle, uh, if you don't know a word, you can just click on it and it will translate it for you, so it's a great way to pick up new vocabulary and practice your reading comprehension. Granted, a lot of the new words I'm learning aren't always applicable to the real world, unless I run across a lot of owls, cauldrons, and wands in my daily life at some point, but it's definitely more fun than just memorizing flashcards, so if you're learning a new language, I highly recommend this approach. Born of Legend by Sherilyn Kenyon, book nine in the League series. This is one of the rare sci-fi romance series still in existence, and I adore this series. That said, I'm slogging through this book. I feel like I've been reading it forever, well, at least for three months, which for a romance novel, no, it should not take me that long. Granted, it's over 700 pages, which is very large for a romance novel. I think I would like this book if Sherilyn had chopped off about uh, 
are 300 pages. I'm 500 pages in and I'm like, enough already! But who knows, maybe the last 200 pages might change the whole dang thing and I will love it. Stay tuned, we'll see. I decided in 2015 that I needed to read more poetry. So I made a goal to read a poem a day, starting with the complete works of Emily Dickinson, who was my favorite poet as a kid. Three years later, I'm finally closing in on the homestretch of her last poems. That lady wrote a lot of poems. I am both more appreciative of her poems than I was as a kid, and also somehow less enthralled by them than when I was younger. I think I want to pick up a more modern poet next, if anyone has any recommendations. Maybe a collection of a bunch of different poets so I don't get burned out on three years of the same poet. My current classic is The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know how I got suckered into reading this one right now since I just I just finished reading Lame is Rob right before this, and one gigantic French novel a year would seem to be enough. But I am reading it, and it's definitely engaging. There's just something so satisfying to the human spirit about revenge, even though we know we probably shouldn't feel that way. And this book definitely delivers on it. I will say there's also some male gaze stuff in this book, but other than that, I'm enjoying it. I just made it about to the halfway point, and that took me about 10 months. Uh, I'm reading faster than I was at first though, so I think I'll get this done in a total time of eh, probably a year and a half. Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, which is one of those classics of Western fiction. I've been checking it out from the e-media system of the library, and it is so popular that every time my loan runs out, I have to wait on hold for like a month or two to get it back. I haven't given in and just bought it yet, though, because I'm kind of actually enjoying the slow parceling out of the book, as this thing, guys, is like pure poetry. It's just beautifully written. I'm, I think, hole number eight on six copies of it right now, so it shouldn't be too long before I get it this time. That's Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, so if you want to read along with me, you got a little bit of time to get it if you'd like. Okay. So the first comic I'm working on is Monstrous Volume 1 by Marjorie Liu. This is beautiful, but super dark. I've got 30 pages to go in it, and I am terrified, which I think is the, the point of the comic, so I guess this is a win for Marjorie Liu. Redwall by Brian Jacques. I have a slot I reserve for uh, rereads so that I'm always rereading a book. This is a book that I read as a kid and I loved it back in the day. It just felt so epic and big to me. I'm about three-fourths of the way through now on this reread and it just doesn't feel as expansive as when I was a kid. This is why I hate rereading my childhood favorites because I'm just not in the same place anymore and they never hit me the same way. What books have you guys reread where you've had that same reaction? I also always reserve a slot for a little known author. Mostly I find these selections by the authors reaching out to me directly to ask me to review their books. I, I don't actually accept ARCs because I'm horrible at reviewing things in a timely manner. And then I always get internally conflicted and feel bad if I have to give a bad review after they've given me the book for free. So I usually always turn down ARCs, but then I tell the author that I will put the book on my little known author TBR. And, and so when I do eventually get to it, I'll just go ahead and buy it. It, it supports a small-time author and stops my annoying inner turmoil. Anyway, that's my system. 
If you're one of those people who's actually good at keeping to a reading schedule, I admire you and I hope you are taking in all the arcs you can because alas, I suck at it. Anyway, my little known author that I'm reading right now is A.L. Golden and the book is Chasing Swells. It's got only 45 ratings on Goodreads and I am on page 90 of 299 and I gotta say, A.L. Golden, so far, pretty decent author. Well written and I'm enjoying the story so I am impressed. As She Fades by Abby Glines. This is my new adult book. I used to be a super adoring fan of Abby Glines, but lately I feel she's been fading for me. Pun, again, not <laughs> intended here, but she's fading for me. I think I am going to take her off my automatic read list after this one and just read her series that I really like or that everyone is raving about. So I have two nonfiction books going on right now, which I know is against my system of only reading one book per genre, but you'll see I'm not that great at limiting myself. This one specifically is taking a long time because I'm purposefully going on one small section at a time, and it is cognitive behavioral therapy for dummies. I actually really like the Dummies series. They are simple for beginners and are very comprehensive. This one is really helpful so far. I've gotten some good life skills out of it and I'm three-fifths of the way done. It's taken me about a year to get to this point, so it's probably gonna be a while for me to finish it. The other nonfiction book I'm reading is Leadership Presence by Kathy Lubar. I'm reading this because my mentor recommended it and it's by this improv actor turned business coach. She's a consultant who teaches how improv skills can help executives become better leaders, which I actually wholeheartedly agree with and think is really useful, especially for introverts and women, and I happen to be both. Improv is all about confidence, and if you project that confidence, you will eventually feel that confidence. Even if you still, you're gonna bomb every once in a while, it just happens. I'm currently also overbooked in the YA category. Okay, I meant to do that pun that time. My excuse for this doubling up is that two authors I really loved came out with new books I had to read right away, and then they both kind of underwhelmed me. So it's taking me a while for me to get through them. Let's start with Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson. Her first book, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You, was a Shakespearean retelling and it blew me off my feet. I'm on page 97 of 308 of Undead Girl Gang and I am steady on my feet, no blowing off my feet happening at all anytime soon. I just find the characters annoying and the plot of her bringing her dead friends back to life is a little brain dead. That pun was slightly intended. I mean, Come on, our main character is a teenager, not an eight-year-old. She's old enough to have at least a little twinge of, geez, this is a really stupid idea, but she doesn't, not at all, not even slightly. Second young adult book is From Twinkle with Love by Sandhya Menon, I think I'm saying that right. Sandhya published one of my favorite young adult novels of last year called When Dimple Met Rishi. Her protagonists are Indian American and they're always these cute contemporary YA romance stories. So I was super excited when From Twinkle With Love came out, but a month and a half after starting it, I'm still struggling. The framing device she's using where each chapter starts off as a letter to a female director just isn't working for me. It just feels very forced. So far, I'm not connecting to the characters, as much as I did with Dimple and Rishi, and I am so bummed because I was so excited, guys. And I've only made it to about page 67 in a month and a half. 
Getting Rowdy Love Undercover Number 3 by Lori Foster. This is contemporary romance. Frankly, I don't know why I'm still reading this series. I tolerated book one, and for book two, I couldn't stand the Here, little lady, stay home and be safe while I do dangerous stuff. So far, book three isn't annoying me, but I'm not all that engaged with it either. It's taken me a month and a half to inch through to page 290 of 440. So I don't know, I will probably finish this, even though I probably really shouldn't and just, I should just be cutting my losses right now, but I feel like I've come too far. And because I'm dragging through Getting Rowdy, I allowed myself to pick up another contemporary romance book, this one by Nalini Singh, Rebel Hard, book two in the Hard Play series. Nalini Singh is one of my favorite paranormal romance authors, but she does occasionally also dabble in the contemporary romance genre. This is one of those times. This also has two Indian protagonists, so love seeing that trend continue to take off. And so far, great characters, great plot. I'm betting I finish this one before I even finish posting this podcast. Again, that's Rebel Hard by Nalini Singh. Yarned and Dangerous by Sadie Hartwell. This fills my mystery suspense bucket, and yes, it only got picked because of that great, funny title, Yarned and Dangerous, and I am already regretting it. Why can no one post Agatha Christie write a good tea cozy mystery? Anyone have any recommendations? Because man, I can only reread Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayers so many times. I need good tea cozy mysteries. So, while I've been slogging through the tea cozy mystery for months, my book club selected a mystery suspense for this month, and that is The Silence of the Lambs, book two in the Hannibal Lecter series by Thomas Harris. We'd actually read the first book, Red Dragon, last year for book club, and I know this makes me a heretic, but I really did not like it. Not enough Hannibal Lecter, and the whole thing was just so, so 80s in how it was written. It was not amazing for me. Seven years later, though, when The Silence of the Lambs was published, Thomas Harris seems to have become a much better writer because I cannot get enough of this book. I'm already on page 129 and I'm eager to read more of it. We're also reading a comic for book club this month, which brings my total comic count up to two, if you're keeping track. We're reading The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number one, which is great because then I can watch the Netflix show after. Circe, Circe, I think, by Madeline Miller. This is my fantasy book for uh, the time being. I'm reading it A, because Bookstagram has been gaga for it for a long time, and B, because I was invited to this one-off book club of sorts that I ended up missing, but this was the book I was supposed to read for it, so I'm reading it anyways. I'm super early on, like 4% in, but so far I'm loving the Greek mythology and the writing, so I'm excited for the next 300-something pages. My historical romance right now is Wicked and the Wallflower by Sarah McLean, who, by the way, I heard on a podcast recently, and I want to be her best friend. She's so amazing. And she's written some damn good historical romance. Unfortunately, this one is kind of hard for me to get through, and I don't know why. I find the plot really eye-rolly, but I'm usually like the biggest sucker for an unreasonable plot. But I don't know, this time the characters, I just want to 
punch instead of my usual frolicking happily down the path of ridiculousness with them. Dust by Hugh Howey, book three in the Wool series. This is my sci-fi book. I read book one years ago and hadn't gotten further into the series for whatever reason, though I loved book one. Meanwhile, I was nagging my husband that he should read the first book, which is called Wool. He finally did, then of course he devoured books two and three, so now I'm the one catching up. And this guy's is such a great series, but intense, so it's hard for me to move fast through them. But I got through book two recently, and now I'm, I'm diving into book three. Okay, so now for the third book club I'm going to mention this episode. I started a book club at work. Our first book we read was nonfiction Bad Blood about Elizabeth Holmes and the Enron-esque failure of her blood testing company, and it was so fascinating. This time around, we're doing a fiction book, Small Great Things by Jodi Picoult. This is my first Jodi Picoult book. I'm nervous because I know Jodi Picoult writes sad books, so I'm not quite sure what to expect. Okay, so that was my currently reading shelf, and after that, clearly, I need to spend some quality time putting some of these books to bed, because that was ridiculous. So, let me leave you, my children, with this benediction, I mean recommendation, of one of my all-time favorite books. And that is going to be Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Really, the entire Illuminae series. I am a tough customer when it comes to young adults. I'm always highly skeptical going in. So when I say this is one of the best written young adult series ever, that is not hyperbole. Really, this thing is a credit to the entire science fiction genre, not just YA. So it has this framing device where everything happens in chat messages, video transcripts, and other documentation, which could have been super gimmicky and gotten in the way of the story, but it really doesn't. It works flawlessly. The entire cast of characters is so endearing, but by far the magical star of this series is Aiden, the best psychotic AI since Hal. I love myself a deeply complex amoral character, and Aiden delivers, oh he delivers. This book is worthwhile to read in the physical form because of the way the book is put together and displayed with all the documentation. I actually read it on my Kindle and I still loved it, but I've seen the physical book and I should have read it that way. Actually also here it translates really well to audiobook because then the transcripts read more like a radio play. So if that's more your thing, try the audiobook. Okay, so to recap, my final book recommendation of the day is Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Read it. Alright, fellow bookcasters, I am going to make that term stick. This wraps my first show. I would love to hear from you on Twitter, link in the description, most likely if I can figure it out. Otherwise, search for The Gwendolyn Reading Method on Twitter and let's talk about all these books and all your thoughts, all of them. Talk soon!